Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Hope you've all had a good week this last week. And it's so good being here with you tonight. It's so good just being able to be in the house of the Lord. I had a, a pretty rough week. Um, my father passed away last week, and we buried him this week. And um, just one of those up and down emotional weeks. And so many of you sent messages and encouragement and prayer. Some of you sent food, etc. And it's just so great to be part of a community of believers who we can do life together and we can uphold one another and strengthen one another. I know many have been praying for us as a family and we really, really do appreciate that. Thank you guys so much for that. You have no idea what that means. I'm wanting us this evening to look at a passage in Scripture, which is one of those passages that I, I guess if I had a time machine and, you know, a couple of credits or how many times you could go back in time I guess it depends on how long you could stay back in time for as well. But this would probably be pretty high up on my list of times to go back to. This is Jesus has just been crucified. He's lived about 30 years on earth and he was crucified, buried in the tomb. On the third day, he rose again and defeated the power of death and dwelt for another 10 days with his believers, with followers but 500 people in excess of that saw him in that time. That's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy that more than 500 people saw Jesus raised from the grave, and we have not one single historical account of anybody saying it didn't happen. There are multitudes of accounts saying those people saw it. There is not one account of somebody saying we didn't. They said I saw it, but I didn't see it. It's just such an amazing testimony that Jesus truly rose from the grave and He ascended into heaven. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on all people. It was poured out on the 120 guys who were gathered together in the upper room and they'd been praying and the Holy Spirit descended upon them. And they went down from there and they just began to see some of the most amazing things. Suddenly they were speaking in other languages and there were people in Jerusalem from various parts of the city of the known world and they were all in Jerusalem because it was a big feast and suddenly they heard these 120 largely uneducated men and women coming down speaking in their language and they're like, what's going on? These guys are drunk. Now number one, I've yet to see somebody drunk learn a foreign language. I haven't seen that one happen quite yet. And these came down and they said, guys, we're not drunk. It's like 9 o'clock in the morning. We're not drunk. This which we see here is a promise that God gave us in the book of Joel. And they begin to share the, minister, share the gospel. And about 3,000 people just that day decide to follow Jesus. It's just a crazy, crazy moment in history. And just after that, we, so that all happened sort of in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. And we pick up the story here at the start of Acts chapter 3. And Two of the leaders of this group were people called Peter and John. And they went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, 
a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The layman looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. And it's one of those stories which is just almost goes beyond our wildest imagination. I've got three kids and seen a whole bunch of other kids, and I have never, ever, ever seen a kid from birth fake being lame. I've never seen a kid from birth sit in a corner and decide, I am never going to move. It's crazy. The moment that they can even just begin to fidget, they start fidgeting and they start moving. And they do whatever they can to try and walk, to climb up stuff. And it's an absolute nightmare for parents, for those of you who've been there, for those who are going to be there. Brace yourself. Suddenly, everything in your house moves up like a meter off the ground. <laughs> Nothing can. Because the kids just want to move. They want to touch. They want to pull. It's just born within. And here is this guy who from birth, Everybody who knew him knew this guy was lame. Every day they'd carry him to the temple, they'd put him down at the temple, and he'd beg for money. People would obviously give for him, that was his spot, a good spot. And then Peter and John come one day. And he looks, he says, give me money. And Peter and John look at him and they say, look at us. And the guy looks up, maybe like one of those beggars. I don't know. It was like a begging thing. Never been a beggar. Never been to begging school. But it's like they never look you in the eye. And Peter and John look at this guy. And they want to restore something of his dignity. And they say, look at us. And as they look up at, as he looks up at Peter and John, he's expecting some money. And they're like, we don't have silver. We don't have gold. But we have something. We have received something, and that which we received, we want to give to you. And I read that, and I'm so encouraged. I'm so inspired by it. I'm like, this is cool. This is a moment in history that I would have loved to see. Causes Peter and John no end of problems, because later on, they kind of all upset you guys. It shouldn't be healing people. I mean, what kind of religious leader is saying that? Kind of, <laughs> Don't heal people. It's bad. Don't make sick people whole. That's just weird. But anyway, so this is kind of all of the story because the name of Jesus is intertwined to the whole story. And Peter and John are like, we've got something. And I read that. I'm like, that's pretty insane. They have the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead living inside of them. In the same way that those of us who are followers of Christ, we have the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, the dead, the dead dwelling within us. But then as I read that, I realize that as much as they have the Spirit of the living God living within them, and I have the Spirit of the living God dwelling within me, I'm not sure that I've got the same Spirit dwelling within me that they had. I'm not sure that I have received what they've received. One of the lessons we see here, kind of a, a truth in, in all of Scripture, is that we can only give what we have received. 
In other words, we can't give what we don't have. We can only give what we've received. And Peter and John had received something crazy here. They had received something that they were able to give. They had received a revelation, an understanding, an anointing, whatever it is. They had received something about God, about the power of the Spirit in their lives, that they were able to look at a lame man and say, get up in the name of Jesus. We've received that so we can give it to you. And I read that and I'm challenged and something inside of me says, God, I want to receive what they've received. God, I want to receive what they've received. I want to get what they've got. God, they received something from you that's missing in my life. I've had glimpses of it. I can tell stories of moments where I've seen God move powerfully, where He's healed people, like literally right in front of my eyes, where I've seen the healing. I know God's touched them. I know God's changed them. I know those moments have been there. But I'm looking at this, and I'm like, Jesus, you said rivers of living water will flow from the inside. And if I'm totally honest with myself, Maybe it's not always a river. Sometimes it's a stream or a trickle. Maybe just a couple of drops. And, and God, that's not denying who you are in any way, God. It, it's something, Jesus, in my relationship with you. There's something that I need to receive. I wanted to hear something about my heart this evening as I share, is that I in no way want to make light of anything that God has ever given us. Every single thing that God gives us is precious and beautiful and should be esteemed and cherished. I never want to make light of anything that God gives us. But at the same time, it's like when we come to this big, massive mountain, maybe kind of Everest. And for some reason, our, our head is in a neck brace and we're wearing a cap and we can only see kind of this high. And we get all excited because we see kind of the bottom of Everest and we can touch Mount Everest. And hey, we can climb Mount Everest, but we can only climb this out because that's how high we can see. That's where our expectation is. And that's amazing. It's still Everest. But something happens when the neck brace and the cap comes off and we're able to look up and we're like, whoa, this thing is big. And I think there's something of that when we come to God that what He has given us is beautiful and is precious and is so amazing and is never to be looked down on. But at the same time, if He is the God of all creation, the eternal God, the God who spoke the heaven and earth into being, and we begin to look up at Him, we realize no matter what I've received, it is beautiful and it is precious and it is amazing. And if that's all I ever receive from God, it would be more than enough. But at the same time, when I look up at him, I realize there is so much more. There is so much more. And Peter and John have received something of this that they can walk up to someone and say, we got something, we can give it to you. I was away the last week and a bit because of just my dad's situation. And some people knocked on the door and Yaku was here. And he's been following up with just a great opportunity, a type of opportunity that really excites me. I think one of the things that God has given us the grace to do is to make disciples. It's a little bit weird when we look around here and we've got a really small service this evening. I know I'm trusting in my spirit. We're going to work together. And 
couple of years ago, we had two evening services before COVID and all of that stuff. We just didn't have enough. Obviously, it was a different venue, but roughly the same size. And God's going to allow us to grow back there as we were making disciples and growing people. And that's something which we've received from God, an ability to impart into people a passion for Jesus, to see them grow in Jesus. Many of us have seen that. We've seen people come into church with us and grow with us. And one of the things that I'm so thankful to God for is that as people leave church, whether they move to a different town or they, a different part of the city, they finish studying a different career, or they go into whatever it is, one of the things that I'm so thankful for is that they keep following Jesus. Perhaps they're not in the church with us anymore, but they slot in a different church. And, you know, we see Facebook posts kind of, and I'm astounded sometimes at what God does. I remember we had a great couple in church with us, and they moved to, I think, somewhere near Kempton, and they're kind of on Insta somehow. I saw a post, and the next thing, like, they hadn't, they were, and, and I hate terminology like this because it, it misses so much, but just normal members, if I can say that. They weren't super involved. They were people who loved the Lord. They were in small group. They were committed, but they were never kind of the high flyers in church. A couple of months later, I see this church in Kempton Park. They've been appointed as volunteer coordinator and band leader. I was just so encouraged by that. God, we get to impart that into people's lives. And so someone comes and knocks on our door last week, and they were like, hey, we've got this ministry in the inner city where we have about 200 people off the streets living here, and we want to invite you guys to come and help us make disciples. Yaku phones me about this, and I'm sort of, busy kind of mind in a totally different space. And the cynic in me, the first question is, okay, but how much money do they actually want? And Yaku's like, no, they actually don't want any money. And I love that because they can come and ask for money and we would say silver and gold, we don't have. It's not what we have an abundance of. But what we have, we want to give to you. And so now we're beginning to pray and beginning to work through this. How does this look, this discipleship process, this open door that we have? And if any of you want to be part of that, you can contact Yaku. We can pray through it, wrestle through it, figure out what is this thing going to look like. Because we want to see those people grow in Christ. We have received something and God enables us to give it. This evening I'm wanting us to think just for a moment on what is it that you have received? What is it that you have received that perhaps you are able to give? That which you have received, is that all that there is to receive? Or have you perhaps a little bit like me sometimes, you kind of sit at the foot of the mountain and you're kind of all blinded. and You're like, wow, God, this is so amazing. This mountain is so cool. God, I, I so love this mountain and miss that, God, this mountain is so much more. God, I love what you've given, but at the same time, I realize, Jesus, that you have so much more that you are able to give. In Acts chapter 1, we read a passage that sort of ties into this whole idea. Jesus speaking to his disciples just before he ascends to heaven, and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you will be witnesses to me, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I wonder how many of us are living power-filled lives and how many of us are living powerless lives. Tomorrow morning when we wake up and we go to our work, we go to our studies, we go about our daily lives, I wonder how many of us go there filled with a knowledge of power that, or a knowledge that God has given, deposited something within us to change the world. 
Well, how many of us go and we faced with a situation and we just throw our hands up in there and we're like, God, I don't know how to do this. My boss is asking me, my friend is asking me, there's a situation. I just have no clue. I'm, I'm powerless in this situation. How many of us step back in that moment and say, God, right now in myself, I am so powerless, but I have the spirit of the living God dwelling within me. And that makes me full of power, powerful. Holy Spirit, I want to begin to experience you in that way where there's a testimony wherever I go of the power of the living God in my life. And that can manifest in a variety, can look a variety of different ways in our lives. But there's a story of power wherever I go. Not power in the sense of authority, not power in the sense of kind of domination, but there's just stuff happens when I go. Peter and John walk into the temple and there's power there. Not power to rule, not power to call the shots, but power to change lives. And I read a passage like this, I'm like, God, there is something, there is more, Lord God. I have received so much from you, I'm so thankful for it, God. But if I cast my eyes up to the rest of this mountain, I realize, God, there is so very much more. So, so much more, God. And I want to begin to be hungry for the more. God, if you are this whole mountain, Lord Jesus, just this first meter is enough for me. But at the same time, God, if you are the whole mountain, I don't want to settle, I don't want to settle just for the first meter. I want to cast my eyes up and say, God, if there is more, I want to find a way to tap into that more. More grace, more of a revelation of your love in my life, Lord. I want to see a couple of drops of power in my life become a trickle and a stream and a river, Lord. I don't want to settle just for an ordinary life, God, when you've called us to be extraordinary. I was thinking this morning, just sort of almost being silly, but imagine that. Imagine every time load shedding kicks in this country. If every Christian just stopped for a moment and said, God, I would love to have ESCOM back. But I would love even more to have the power of the Spirit at work in my life. What if we took the time of load shedding as a reminder to say, our power is not from cold generation or whatever it is that the various facets of our, our cold grid. My power is not lying that God, the power that I seek is not in my solar panel, God. The power that I seek is in the Spirit of the living God. And God, every time load shedding is announced, I'm going to be a little bit excited because it reminds me that I want to press into you. It reminds me that there is so much more than the things of this world. The First Corinthians chapter 14, sorry, First Corinthians chapter 14. Most of us know First Corinthians chapter 13, that beautiful, famous love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is all of these beautiful things that if I speak with tongues of angels and tongues of men but have not love, I'm a clanging cymbal and just making a bunch of noise. Just the importance of love being central to everything we do. But it's this beautiful little sandwich almost because in 1 Corinthians 12, which we look at at the moment, and 1 Corinthians 14, it's all about the gifts of the Spirit. And 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 even says, let love be your highest goal, because obviously it's carrying on. Let me just quick asterisk here. Small Bible school moment. Some of us may not have realized this. Many of us probably know this. But when these, the Corinthians, as an example, is a letter written from 
The Apostle Paul, the man who was responsible for planting that church, he brought the gospel to the church in Corinth, to the people in Corinth for the first time, and out of that came a church. And then he writes them a letter of encouragement. And just as a small side note, he doesn't stop every now and again to put in little numbers in his letter. The chapters we read and the verses we read were added by scholars much later just to help us in our study and in our reference. They were never part of the original text. So sometimes it helps just to ignore the chapter numbers when we read it and read it like a letter. Read it as you would receive a letter from your mother or from your father or from somebody you respect. And then the flow typically makes more sense to us. And so he's saying love is all of these important things. And then he carries on and he says, so let love be your ultimate goal, your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives, this translation calls it, especially the ability to prophesy. And then the rest of the chapter is sort of an argument why prophecy is important within a church context. Some of your translations which are your sort of more word-for-word translations, they would say, earnestly desire. And I read this, and I find myself convicted because I realize I don't always earnestly desire. I'm not sitting and saying, God, I really, really, really want this. I want to seek this, Lord. God, I want to work, if that's the right word, Towards, I want to press into you. I want to draw near to you, God, because I want to receive something from you because I can't give what I haven't received. And maybe just let me repeat that over and over this evening because I don't want us to hear. I don't think God is calling us to do more, to be more, to strive more. I think He's calling us to come to a place of receiving. And as we come to a place of receiving more, we have more to give. Peter and John could only give what they had received. You and I can only give what we have received. And I sense God is calling us to draw near to Him, to receive more for ourselves firstly, but then the bonus of that is as we receive, we get to give more. Are we earnestly desiring to receive? Are we earnestly desiring, Jesus, I want to have this gift God, this is a gift. This is a special ability, as this translation says. God, this is something that you give. I cannot make myself have it. But I want to press into you. I want to ask God, can I receive it? So just flipping back then a couple of pages earlier in that same letter, just before that beautiful, what's become sort of a well-known poem on love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, from verse 4, we read, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But it's the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. And there's just a beautiful summary of the Trinity right there. We see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit just in those verses right there and different gifts that they each one give. But then watch this, verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Maybe some of us writing notes, we need to write there and say, a spiritual gift is given to me. Some of us have somehow bought this lie that God does not have gift for us. God doesn't have a spiritual gift. This is for other people and not for me. And yet Scripture says so clearly, it is given 
to each of us. The whole sort of idea as you go through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, and that's why love is so important, is that as much as I am the receiver of the gift in the first, I'm the first receiver, I get it. That God gives it to me. It's not for me. And that's what makes love so important is that as I receive the gift, it's not so that I can do spiritual somersaults and be this big spiritual guru person and be so cool. No, it's God deposits gifts into our lives. As we receive from God, it says so clearly, it's so that we can help each other. You see, Peter and John had received from God and they were able to help the man at the beautiful gate. You and I, we receive from God and as we receive from God, we're able to help others with what we receive. We see the same theme sort of in 1 Peter chapter 4. God has given each of you Maybe turn to the person sitting next to you and say, that includes you. God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. And I love the wording that's used here in the New Living Translation, the way that's expressed. I think sometimes we read a passage, for those of you who are more acquainted with the Scriptures, in 1 Corinthians 12, that bit that I just read, because he goes on and he lists nine different gifts of the Spirit. And we sometimes box those, and we say, these are the nine gifts of the Spirit. And the implication is these are the only nine gifts of the Spirit. And we assume that's the only way in which the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And then we pass it like 1 Peter 4. It's just so liberating to realize, no, those are examples of the ways in which the Spirit moves in us. It is not an exhaustive list. Every single gift is not listed in 1 Corinthians 12 within those nine gifts. Those are nine ways in which the Spirit works, but He has a great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And this whole, we're going to read the rest of the passage now. This is one of those verses, kind of, when I read it, I'm like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> then if you guys have ever read that, and you're like, I, I misread this. I'm going to have to stop and read this again, and the more I read it, the more I realize I actually didn't misread this. This is just a crazy passage. This is just one of those verses that makes absolutely no sense except God has decided to do it this way. And so let's embrace it in the coolest way possible. It says here, use them to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Just pause there for a moment. Just when Twitter started and I started getting into Twitter and following Twitter, and before it became the cesspit that it is now often, there was this one tweet that is just so stuck with me, and I don't think I'll ever forget it. The guy simply tweeted, whatever God has called you to do, do it as if God's called you to do it. I was saying this morning, imagine your workplace, your environment, your place where you're studying, the CEO, the principal, whatever, they call you in. And they look you in the eye. They say, listen, I have a special task for you. I want you to take responsibility for it. I want you to accomplish this. I want you to go back to your colleagues, go back to your classmates, whatever. And I want you to take ownership of this project, of this whatever that makes sense in, in your space. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you a letter right now and say, I, CEO, head, whatever it is, owner of the company, whatever. 
hereby appoint and fill in your name to this duty, to this responsibility. And they sign it. And they say, if anybody gives you uphill about why you think you should do that, here's a letter from me. I wonder how many of us would go into the next meeting, the next gathering, the next time we're all together and that topic comes up and we're like just going to sit there and say, oh, I probably should say something now. I was just there with the boss yesterday and they said, or the principal or the headmaster or whatever, and they asked me to do this specifically, but I've got this letter so kind of like I can just tell them we need to do it this way and they're all going in a different direction. Oh, let's just see how this thing pans out for a while and Maybe it goes pear-shaped. I'll probably be in trouble, but hey, how many of us would be a little bit more bold and say, wait a minute, that's not the way that this needs to go. As a matter of fact, the owner, the boss, the headmaster, the CEO, the principal, they've given me this. This is what they want me to do. And then I wonder how many of us tomorrow morning will wake up and realize, well, perhaps in our back pocket, we've got a letter signed by the living God. Saying, I've called, fill in your name, for whatever it is that you sense, that you have an awareness of, that God has called you to do so far. And I wonder if we're doing it as if God's called us to do it. Sometimes we're doing what we do as if my dog asked me to do it, or my little sister asked me to do it. Let's not do what God's called us to do, like my brat brother has, I've got three brothers, none of them are brats, so it's someone else's brother. But like my brat brother has asked me to do it. No, I'm going to do this as if God has asked me to do it. I'm going to bring my gift. I'm going to bring my ability. I'm going to put that charge that I sense God has laid on my table. I'm going to be serious about it. I'm going to take ownership of it. And that's what he says here. Do you have the gift of helping others? And whatever gift it is, that's the implication. It's not only if it's these two gifts. Whatever your gift is, whatever it is that God is stirring within you, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then, this then is what blows my mind. If we come to this place where we bring our gift with all our strength, all our energy, we pour it into embracing and to running out that gift, watch this, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. I'm like, wait, wait, wait what? So, Let's use the example here. Do I have the gift of speaking? Let's say perhaps I happen to have a gift of speaking. And then I speak as if God himself is speaking through me. Then the way I eat my breakfast will bring glory to God. Then the way I speak to my wife will bring glory to God. Then the way I drive my car will bring glory to God. That's just a crazy, crazy statement right there. I'm like, I'm reading this wrong. This is one of those passages I have to read a couple of times because every time I read it, I'm like, I'm reading this wrong. Except I'm not reading it wrong. There's a key here that will unlock a revelation of the glory of God in our lives that we cannot begin to imagine until we step into it. And the key is simply to embrace that which God is giving us. To receive it to pour our strength and our energy into it, to say, I'm not just going to do this half-hearted. I'm going to pour everything I have into this because if I get this right, then everything else I do will bring glory to God. That's a crazy thought. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. I was saying just now I've got three girls 
and it's one of their birthday today, so that's always pretty fun and cool, and lots of cake, and cake on Friday, and just cake all the time, because cake is cool, have cake, eat more cake, and she wanted a gift, a specific gift that she's wanted for a while. It's a gift which is, she's quite the saver, actually. I find myself, I'm not a, a cash person. I don't oft, normally have cash on me. And every now and again, we need cash, you know, like 20 rand for some odd thing at school or whatever. And so I always go knock on her door. <laughs> because every little cent that she gets and kind of pocket money that she'll pick up somewhere or the birthday money she gets and she puts it in her little special like mini safe type thing that she's got and she locks it up and she puts the key somewhere where only she knows where the key is and she looks after it really, really well. But it's a gift which even with all of her saving, with all of her just good financial stewardship in that sense, there is no ways that she, as the 10-year-old that she is today, would be able to buy for herself. It's just way beyond her capacity of where she is as a 10-year-old. Even if she was able to somehow gather the money, she wouldn't be able to get to the shop to buy the gift. The only possible way in which she can get that gift is to simply say, Mom and Dad, when it's my birthday, I would love whatever the gift is. When it's my birthday in a couple of months' time, I really would love this. That's exactly what we're And so as a mom and as a dad, we say, okay, great, we're going to put our faith out. Jesus, we're going to trust you. Fortune is not the world's most expensive present. It's not the world's cheapest present either. But God, we're going to trust you to be able to do this for our kid. As a father, I want to be able to give her what she wants, obviously, within healthy boundaries. And so that's exactly what we read here. Jesus says to us in, in Luke 11, He says, You, fathers, me in this case, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? If they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who would just ask Him? You see, my daughter could have asked and she said, could have said, Dad, for my birthday, I want something that costs 10 rand. She could have asked for that. And you know what she would have gotten for her birthday? That thing that costs 10 rand. And if that's where her heart is, if that's where her desire is, if that's where her expectation is, then she would have got that. But she asked for something so much more, and as a dad, I was so glad to give so much more, because fortunately, I was in the capacity, I had the ability to give so much more. I wonder how often we read this passage, and we come, and we like, God, I want to receive the Holy Spirit in my little box for me, so I can pray in tongues and have a great time, quiet time. And I look in just to the first meter of Mount Everest. And we pray and we say, I want to have the Holy Spirit within that little small confine. I'm sensing God is saying, why don't we begin to ask Him? Take, God, tear away the veil. Take off the hat, Lord God. Allow me to look up to the top of the mountain and say, Jesus, I want to get up there. Jesus, this right here is beautiful and amazing. And if it's all I ever get in my life, it'll be so much more than enough for me. But this mountain is high, God. 
why can't I get to the top? Well, there's so much more of you, God. I want to press in to receive more, God. God, there's more of you, God. I'm hungry for more. So I want to ask this evening around that two questions. The first one is, what is your expectation? What is it that you are asking God for? When you read a passage like this and we say, I want to have the Holy Spirit from the Father. Are we saying, I want to have the Holy Spirit and our, our view is down here? Or are we looking up at the Holy Spirit who was hovering over the face of the deep in the time of creation? That Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit who when Peter and John walks in at the gate beautiful and they see somebody lame, they can say, I have received something and so I can give it to you. Are we saying, God, I want to have that Holy Spirit. Yes, obviously it's the same Holy Spirit, but I want to have that revelation. I want to receive that from the Holy Spirit. Lord, this which I've got is amazing. I get to speak mysteries unto God. It's beautiful. You speak to me, God. But this mountain is higher than I've seen thus far. I want to be hungry for the Spirit. And I want to invite you. Can we take uh, the next month or so as a church collectively together to say, God, can we have your Holy Spirit? Can we have your Holy Spirit? Not here, Holy Spirit, God, but, but maybe for us for now here. It's one of those things about infinity. Infinity is just the craziest thought ever. Eternity and infinity. If we serve an infinite God, I love what someone said. The problem with infinity isn't that you can't count to the end of infinity. It's you can't start. What is the first number you're going to count if you're trying to count to infinity? Because any number you can give me, I can give you one smaller. And then once we eventually do decide on a number to start with, every number you give me, I can give you one bigger. We're never going to stop. And that's something about God. No matter, even if it was Everest and our eye can only see way up to the top of Everest, by the time we get up to Everest and we look up, we're going to go, oh, well, this carries on. I couldn't see it from down there, but there's an Everest on top. So maybe even we're on the top of Everest already. But as we look up, we're like, oh, we're just getting started because it's God. And we want to confine Him to our human boxes. And what if we as a church would begin to say and pray, God, Father, would you give us your Holy Spirit? Lord, up to now, we've been happy with the 10 rand present. And the 10 rand present was amazing. And we love the 10 rand present. But we realize there is so much more. Of you. We want to receive more of you. We are hungry for more of you. And so there are two ways in, in which we receive, and I want to invite you to begin to pray with us about that. The first way in which we receive is by asking the Father. Simply, Father, would you give us the Holy Spirit? Obviously, understanding that's probably going to have some implications on the way we live our lives because He is, after all, the Holy Spirit. So he's going to work holiness in us. He's going to lead us in holiness and suddenly there's going to be a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter anymore. And it's like, oh, new series on Netflix, binge watch. No, I'm going to press into the Holy Spirit because this mountain is way up here. This TV kind of Netflix best show ever ends here. That mountain is still going way up. I want to press into that. I'm not saying Netflix as a rule is bad or whatever. But it's just what are we hungry for? What are we hungry for? The second way in which we receive, we see here in Matthew chapter 10, whoever receives you, receives me. 
And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The principle here is such a simple one that when we receive from God and somebody receives us, they position themselves to receive what we receive from God. Does that make sense? If I receive a, a glass of water from God and I come and knock on Tian's door and Tian opens the door and he receives me, guess what comes with me? The glass of water. And suddenly Tian is in a position to receive the glass of water. That's the principle we see here. He who receives, whoever receives you receives me, whoever, because you have received me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. So in the same way that whoever receives me receives, whoever receives you, Jesus says, they receive me. But in receiving me, they also receive him who sent me. So there's sort of a, a chain of reception. See, the one way we receive is directly from God. The other way we receive is from another receiver. That as we receive something, God makes us a vessel to carry that so others can receive that which we've received. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Some of you would remember at the beginning of the year in February, as, we've, as has become our habit, we take the month of February and we fast. And this year we fasted around three specific questions. Three specific things we brought before God. The first one, we said, God, we want to grow in your presence. We want to grow and to love your presence. We want to receive more of your presence. And then a couple of months by now back, we had James and Greg and Jason here imparting into our band, into our worship team, not because that's the be-all and the end-all, but that's one way in which we experience the presence of God. And it has been just so great to see how the band has just stepped up, how the worship experience, if that's the right description, has stepped up, how the presence of God has just been there more. Because what happened is we received from three people who had received, who'd spend a large part of their life just pressing into that. That's what they do, and that's what they carry with them is the presence of God, pressing into the presence of God. And they came and they deposited, and we received. It's called impartation. And they were here for a weekend we had a beautiful worship night. They spent time working with the band. We had the Sunday. It was just a great time of, of receiving. And, and we received something of that which they have received. I so love how God comes and He answers the prayer. We said at the beginning of the year, God, we want more of your presence. And then He sends some people who carry us of His presence, who have a revelation of His presence. And they get to deposit a bit of that into our lives. The second thing we prayed is, God, we want to know more of your power in our lives. This weekend coming up, we're having the school of the Spirit with Andre. Andre, who for the last 10 years or whatever it is, he'll tell his story when he's here, has just been pressing into this element, this dynamic of God. And it's been amazing how God has just been revealing himself to Andre, how Andre has been receiving something just through some family circumstances they went through with illness with his wife and whatever. He was just pressing into that. And as he was receiving, he was like, there is more. There is more. There's more. And he's pressing in and there's more and more and more. And he's just, this is what he's pressing into. This weekend he's coming and we get to receive from the receiver. 
We get to receive Him as a gift from God. We get to receive Him as somebody who, in a sense, comes in the name of a prophet. And so we get the prophet's reward. I was saying to Andre, I don't know if anybody's even going to register to come to this thing that we're bringing you up for. But even if they don't, I'm going to be there anyway. Because I want to receive what God's been doing in your life. I want a deposit of, obviously, I'm not going to get in, in one weekend. But the alternative is I can take 10 years to press into God and receive from God. And we should do that as well. But here in a weekend, I can receive something that God has deposited into Andre over a long time. And obviously, probably not going to be absolutely everything that Andre has received over the last 10 years, but we're going to receive parts of that. It's going to be imparted into our lives. And one of the reasons I'm saying this, because sometimes we think it's just about a nice speaker or a nice event. That's not why we do these things. We do this because God, one of the ways in which God deposits and imparts into our life is through people who have received. So I want to encourage you, next weekend is not just a nice weekend that we're going to have fun around. It's God, we're hungry for your presence, Lord. We had a great worship weekend around that. And God, we're hungry for your power. God, come and speak to us. Come and show us. Come and demonstrate something. Come and allow us to receive something of that. The third thing we prayed for was we prayed for God's direction and God's guidance. In the time of fasting, we prayed for God's presence, for God's power, and we prayed for His direction. In October, we're going to have the Convergence Conference, and those speakers are all coming, and they're going to speak into a direction. One speaker is, um, I almost said Yuki, and I've forgotten his name. Yuki is the Formula One driver. Something like Yuki, just hit a blank. Yinka, there we go. Yinka is coming, and God just used him in a really beautiful way in the UK just to spark and catalyze revivals, a, a real apostolic directional movement, anointing upon his life. And I want to sit at a weekend like that because I want to receive that which he's received from God. So I want to encourage us weekends like that. Let's be deliberate about them. Let's be there to receive, not just there to have fun. But God, I'm actually coming with an open spirit and an open heart, God, because I want to receive the prophet in the name of the prophet. Because when I do that, I receive the prophet's reward. I receive that which the prophet brings with him. The same with the evangelist, the same with the apostle. Once again, that's not an exhaustive list. It's not only a prophet or a righteous person that you receive and no one else you receive from them. Can I just put in there, if you receive an evil man, in the name of an evil man, you will receive an evil man's reward. That same principle holds true. That which they bring, we receive, they carry with them something, and God allows the way that He's just put this whole world thing together. We get to receive from them. We get to receive that which they've received. And so I want to encourage you to really think about coming on and registering for Saturday. Same with Bible school, receiving from all of the different teachers. There's I, could, I would love to, apart from the time, my wife might not love it so much, but I would love to teach every module in Bible school. I love teaching the Word. I love being able to share about the Word. But I understand when I do that, when I'm the only one preaching, when I'm the only one teaching, you know what happens is you only receive that which I've received. If we get different people to teach and to share and to impart, guess what? Suddenly we're receiving 
so much more of God because we're not limited to what Philip's received. Now suddenly we're also receiving what Marifa's received and what Yaku has received and the different people as God moves on their lives and we see that there's something we've received, we create space for others to receive it. So Bible school, all of those things are, are opportunities where we get to receive what God has put in other people's lives. And then as we continue to receive, I want to ask you to pray with us, especially this next month with Andre coming next weekend and the weeks after that. Let's pray into that. Let's press into that. Let's say, God, I want to receive, Lord. We as a church, we want to receive. Let's remember Matthew 10. So Jesus sends out the 12 apostles with these instructions. He's sending them into every town and village where he himself is about to go. He's saying, you guys go. Don't go for now to the Gentiles and Samaritans. Only go to the Jews, the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. Some of the translations would say, you have received without paying, so give without paying. Jesus is saying to these 12 guys, guys, go out, do miraculous signs and wonders. Not because you are so special, not because you have figured out all of these things, not because you passed all of the tests and all of the exams, but because you have received. You have received. And because you have received, you can go and give. Go and give. Freely you have received, freely you have given. Another place Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's better to give than to receive. So I want to invite you to have an expectation in our hearts that, God, we want to receive, Lord. Lord, up to now we have received the most precious things from you. But as we allow ourselves to look up, to realize, God, you have so much more. And that's not discounting in any way the beauty of what we've received. But it's an awareness that, God, there is so much more to receive. So much more, Lord. So, God, we want to be hungry to receive. We want to be thirsty. We want to press into that. Jesus, we want to receive. And then we remember that as we keep receiving, we're going to keep giving. We want to be like Peter and John at the gate, beautiful. And somebody knocks on our door and says, have you got some money for me? We're like, hey, man, I wish I did. I don't, but I've got something else for you. I have received, and so I'm going to give. Can we stand together this evening? I'd love to pray for us. Jesus, tonight we're just again, Lord, taken by how amazing you are, Lord. Lord, that if you were Everest and we got to the top, that there would be another thousand Everests on top of that, Lord. Because there is no end with you, Lord. There is no maximum with you, God. There is always more, Lord. And Lord, on one hand, we're torn because just a glimpse of you is already so amazing and more than enough. But at the same time, God, there's a call from you to come higher and to see more. So, God, we don't come because we are discontented with what we have, Lord. We don't come because we are disappointed in what we had, Lord Jesus. We come because there's just more. More and more and more of you. Jesus, we want to taste and see more of you, Lord God. 
We want to respond to that invitation for more, Lord God. We want to come to our Father this evening and say, would you give us your Holy Spirit, Lord? We want to receive power that comes from you, Lord. We want to live powerful lives in every facet of our lives. We want to embrace that which we have already received and then also say, God, whatever more you want to give us, we want to receive it, Lord. We don't want to be limited by our human understanding and our human actions. Whatever more there may be, we want to say, yes, Jesus, give us the more. Yes to more, Lord. Yes to receiving more, Lord God. Yes to seeing more. And then to giving more, Lord. Just give us, I want to give us a moment just as you're standing. If the Holy Spirit's stirring something in your heart right now, don't you just want to respond to Him? If there's an area where you sense He's calling you to press into to receive more. Or perhaps you've been looking just at the first meter and He's calling you just to look up to see there's more. Just take a moment to respond to that. Lord, we even repent at times for not receiving from the people you send, Lord God, for not receiving the receiver, Lord. We pray that you would come and remove those frustrations, those hurts, those offenses from our hearts, God. May we receive healing even in that, Lord. Healing that we can give to others again, but also healing that allows us to receive more. Lord, everything that blocks our receiving, come and take it away, Jesus. Lord, our view of you, that's too small, and we forget that we can receive so much more. Come and take it away. Allow our eyes to see you, Jesus. Just glimpse more of you. Lord, our comfort with the things of this world, Lord God. We want to step away from that. We want to see more of you. We want to be hungry for more of you, Lord. More of your power, Lord. More of your love. More of your grace. More of your truth. We want to press into the more, Lord Jesus. Lord, we want to walk into situations where Peter and John were and be able to say that which you're asking for, I don't have. I don't have the worldly things, the things that society values. Lord, I don't have those. I don't got something else for you. Something that will change and transform your life. Something so much better. Here, receive what I have received from Jesus. Lord, we want to have those moments in our lives where we received and so we can give. and them are going to continue to minister for us. I want to encourage you tonight, don't run away. If you want to take a moment, and just ask God for His Spirit in your life and do that.
you want to just take a moment and just dwell in the Lord's presence as long as that moment may be you, you do that. If you need prayer, if you would like someone to pray for you, maybe you're going through time and you need prayer, we want to pray with you. Maybe the dreams and desires stirring in your heart, you want prayer. We want to pray with you as well. Maybe at the start as we were praying for people who need God to intervene in their lives, maybe that's you. We want to pray for you. Maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit and tonight in the saints is the first time. You're like, God, I want to have your spirit in my life. We want to pray with you. Maybe you want to come and say, God, I want more of your spirit. Lord, this little glimpse, this little trickle, God, would you open the tap and turn it into a stream that becomes a river? Whatever your prayer request is tonight, we want to pray with you. Don't leave tonight while the Holy Spirit is still working If you want someone to pray with you, you can just step forward. We would love to pray with you. There is obviously coffee and tea outside. You're more than welcome to hang around, to have coffee and tea. We'd love to spend some time chatting and getting to know one another. Let's first continue to press in to all that God has for us. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash Pretoria.